Rosi, we are continuing in today's Mishnah Yomi. Today we will be learning Perak Aleph, Mishnayos Zayin through Ches. Chapter 1, Mishnayos 7 through 8. Writes Mishnah Zayin, Ein bein Zav haroashtei reyos, the roashalosh elakarban. So Zav is a man who experiences an, an emission. This is not the seminal emission, but it's another type of emission that really represents or there really is a, is a manifestation of some type of physical illness. So if a man has two emissions, there is no distinction between a man who has two emissions or three emissions. Either way, after experiencing two emissions or three emissions, halacha lamaisi, you have to observe seven clean days. The only distinction between them is a carbon. After three emissions, a person has to bring a carbon as part of his purification process. But after two emissions, a carbon is not needed, only the waiting of the seven days. Ein bein mitzura, mitzora muskala, mitzora muchlat. Mitzora is a person afflicted with saras. Saras we loosely translate as leprosy, but really, saras is a physical manifestation of a spiritual ailment. There is something called the mitzora muskar. Sometimes, with the halachos of saras, the Kohen, who has to examine the individuals afflicted, may or may not know yet if this is really tzaras. Is it a discoloration? Is it a lesion? Or is it tzaras? So sometimes the, the, the patient, so to speak, is, is quarantined for, for seven days to see what happens with the discoloration. Does it spread? Does it stay the same? Does it recede? That's called the Mitzorah Muskar. He's locked away. He's quarantined to see what happens with the discoloration there. So there is no distinction between a Mitzorah Muskar and a Mitzorah Muchlot. Muchlot means that he has been declared by the Kohen to be a Mitzorah and is therefore Tomei Ela Priya Uprima. The only distinction is Priya Uprima, that a Mitzorah Muchlot, the person who has been declared as a Mitzorah, the halacha is the halacha is that he is obligated to tear his clothing and he's obligated to let his hair grow. So those obligations only apply to someone who is a bona fide mitzora, declared mitzora. Similarly, again, once a once the, the the patient will call him, if if it turns out that after he's been locked away, quarantined for seven days, and turns out that it wasn't saras, so therefore again he's free to go and he's tahar. So to again after a person runs the course, let's say a person was declared as a mitzora, and then ultimately again they go through the purification process. So the Mishnah says there's no distinction between someone who becomes tahar at the end of his quarantine out of doubt versus someone who becomes tar at the end of his actual purification process, Elo Tiglachas Vitsiporim, except again for the obligation to cut one's hair and the bird offerings. Cutting the hair and the bird offerings are only associated with what we call a mitzora muchlot, which means an individual who was definitively declared as a mitzora. But someone who, let's say, was quarantined because of a suffolk mitzora, perhaps he was mitzora, such a person, when he gets out of his quarantine, has no obligation to cut his hair, and certainly, again, has no obligations of bird offerings. That's Mishnah Zayin. Mishnah Chas, eighth Mishnah. There is no distinction between Svarim. Now, Svarim in this context means individual scrolls of Torah, Nevi'im, and Ksuvim. It's individual scrolls of Torah, Nevi'im, and Ksuvim. There is no distinction, or for that matter, again, a scroll that is comprised of Torah, Nevi'im, and Ksuvim. So there is no distinction between Svarim, Tefillin, and Mezuzah. I'm sorry, there is no distinction between Svarim to Tefillin and Mezuzah. Tefillin, of course, refers to the Parshios, the pieces of parchment. 
upon which sections of the Torah are written that are inserted into Tefillin or, inserted, or, or inserted into Mezuzos. So there's no difference between the parashios written for scrolls of Torah, Nevi'im, and Ksuvim to parashios that are written for Tefillin and Mezuzos. Elo, Shasfarim, Nechtavim, Bechaloshon, except that when a scroll is written for Torah, Nevi'im, and Ksuvim, that could be written, that could be written in any language. In any language, again, so you could use a different alphabet as well as a different language. But the parchments that get inserted into tefillin or into a mezuzah can only be written in Hebrew and again with what we call ksavashuris, which is the special kind of Hebrew that's used to write scrolls. So the Gemara says, inside the Mishnah says, Interesting enough, says, even by scrolls, even by scrolls, the scrolls of Torah, Navim, and Ksuvim, you cannot write them in any Lashon, in any language. Rather, the only license you have is to write them in Greek. The Gemara has a whole discussion over here that Greek, that why, why Greek? So the Gemara explains based on the Pasuk in Parshas Noach, Yaft Elokim Leofes Vishkon Shem. That literally again Hashem gave beauty to Yafes and that he will dwell in the tents of shame. The tents of shame, shame is us, right? We are the descendants of shame. Yafes, right, is Greece. So Rabbi says, based on the Pasuk in Noach, there is this connection between the two sons of Noach, Yefes, which is Greece, Shame, which is Klal Yisrael, that Yefes can dwell within the tents of shame. So Rabbi says, while it is true that you are allowed to go ahead and write scrolls of Tanakh in different languages, it is, only, it is limited ultimately again to Greek. And in fact, that's how the Rambam Paskins, like Rabbi Shem Mingambiyah. All right, we'll see you all stop over here for today. Wishing everyone a wonderful day. Another great day of Mishnayomi. Shkayach everyone, Kol Tuf.